Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Today we're going to start in chapter 3 as we continue. And today we're talking about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I just feel like I need to pray. Just hit the reset button here a little bit. Jesus, your word is for us today, and I thank you for that. And I just, as we've lifted our praises to you, I ask Jesus now that you would bring your word down to us. You promised that the word washes us clean. Wash us this morning with your word, I pray. Amen. All right, out of respect uh, for God's word, let's stand together for the reading of this word. Friends online, if you're at home, sitting on the couch, please stand with us if you're able for the reading of God's word. Galatians chapter 3, just seven verses. He begins this way. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross, or it's been portrayed to you clearly, Paul says. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God, verse 5, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. And, and in the same way, he's quoting now, Abraham believed God and counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. That last little bit, we won't really get into that last verse, but that comment, that children of Abraham, that's kind of a catch-all phrase for the people of Israel, the Jewish people, the children of Abraham, and this big shift that's happened that we are included in that by our faith in Jesus. All right, so as we've been following Paul's rebuttal of these Judaizers, remember that term? These are the people who are, who are believers, who, who, they're Jewish Christians who now want to force these new Gentile believers to adopt all those laws of, of Moses, the kind of the Jewish regulations, including even things like circumcision and all the food laws. And so up to this point, we've seen Paul get pretty animated in his comments, in his kind of rebuttals. But here, here, I'm going to take a drink from this, what might be the smallest water bottle I've ever seen. It's, it's very cute. Very cute. Um, I felt like a kid this week on, the, in, in, on vacation because the, the hotel, the breakfast, is you just kind of take and go. And they say, oh, would you like orange juice? Yeah, I'd like orange juice. And it was the teeniest little sippy box. What do you call those? Tetra pack boxes? Juice box? Just like, oh, it's gone. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, Paul's words here, I would say, are some of the fiercest statements in all of his letters, except for what he's going to get to in chapter 5, which is, is pretty strong. But he's not joking around, Paul. He's absolutely appalled 
that the Galatians would receive the gospel of grace, right? And then consider swapping that out for this hybrid gospel, this hybrid message of grace plus works. And he's, he's here to address that in really strong terms. Look again at verse one. He says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? Or more literally, who has enchanted you? Or most translations will say, who has bewitched you? Think about this. Not only is Paul calling his readers foolish, like, you stupid people. Like, think about this. You're reading this letter and, 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 and like, oh, hey, we got a letter from Paul. You dumb people. Like, that's what he's saying. And not only that, he's equating, comparing their doctrinal dis- distraction to witchcraft. Witchcraft, right? Which is absolutely abhorrent to God, absolutely and totally condemned in Scripture. And that's what Paul's saying. In other words, to, listen, if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. I, I don't have this on screen, but I'll, I'll try to say it in, in a way that we can capture this. To supplement or to augment or to supplant, right, the gospel of grace with legalism, to to supplement or augment or supplant the gospel of grace with legalism is demonic. It's demonic. Why? Because it mocks and it minimizes the complete and finished work of Christ on the cross and the freedom that Jesus came to, to give you. So when we say, yeah, well, you got to kind of look the part to be a good Christian. What are we doing? We're saying, Jesus, what you did isn't enough. Jesus, when you said it's finished, no, Jesus, you were lying. It's not finished. Think about that. So that's why it's demonic. You're mocking the work of God when we add these rules and regulations around it. And Jesus suffered in the extreme. I don't think I need to explain to you again what happens in crucifixion. Crystal Noctigal, you're sitting right over there, and usually every Easter you give us a little class on what what the torture of crucifixion. The Romans had devised the most in, excruciating, slow, painful, humiliating death possible in crucifixion, not to mention the flogging that Jesus suffered, a whip uh, with with bits of rock and metal and steel embedded in the tips, and so as it hits it, tears of your body apart, literally tears your flesh apart, and all that Jesus suffered, not to mention the weight of all of our sin placed on him, right? All that for to to earn, to pay for our deliverance from sin. That's what Jesus went through. And so when we say, yeah, but you gotta kind of do more, you gotta add some religion in, we're saying, oh Jesus, that wasn't enough. Jesus endured, here's another one you can write down. We've got this one on screen. Jesus endured all the requirements of divine justice so we could enjoy all the benefits of divine mercy. Jesus endured all the requirements of divine justice so we could enjoy all the benefits of divine mercy. Jesus didn't go to the cross to set a good example. Jesus didn't go to the cross, uh, you know, because... It, you know, he was just sort of trying to prove a point. Jesus went to the cross, paid the penalty for your sin and my sin in his death, in our place. It's the substitutionary atonement of Christ. All right? 
So as we consider this, really, it's a rebuke from Paul. It's a challenge from Paul for the Galatians. I'm going to ask you three questions. And I confess right now, they, it, it might come across as a little bit almost judgmental. And I do not mean it that way at all. I do not mean it any condemnation. But I'm going to ask us three tough, soul-searching questions. Uh, pointed as much at me as, as to all of us. And the first is this. Looking back to verse 1. Are you distracted from the gospel? Are you distracted from the gospel? Right? Paul's question, who has cast an evil spell on you? Right? Is about the danger of letting ourselves be distracted away, taken away from the truth of the gospel. Are you distracted? Or the, the word that Paul uses, are you enchanted away? Are you bewitched from the gospel? Maybe our issue isn't the intrusion of legalism into the gospel of grace, but we may still find ourselves bewitched from the truth. What's your gospel distraction? What's my gospel distraction? Is it, is it television? Is it Facebook? Is it the doctrine of safety at all costs? Is it a sport or a hobby that keeps you so busy you never open God's word ever? Is it social justice causes that, you know, I have all your attention or, 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 or the cultural narrative that's displacing the truth? Is there anything in your life, in my life, in our world, anything that you love more than the gospel, the good news? Is there anything that keeps you from believing God's love for you? Believing that we're all sinners in desperate need of rescue. That Jesus alone is the means to our salvation. Could it be believing wrong doctrine? What, what could be our gospel distraction? Could it be the prevailing cultural anti-God messaging? A little bit that I referred to already. But listen, I've said this before, but I will keep saying it. For example, the reason why... That, that, you know, that creation is such an attacked topic. The fact that God created everything in seven days, by the way, six days, by the way, and rested on the seventh. The reason that's attacked is because if we submit to that, if we accept the truth that God created everything, then I ha- then I'm answerable to a creator. But if I can declare, you know, it just kind of all happened. It just sort of like put itself together. You know, like I'm wearing this wristwatch this morning. That, I don't know if you knew this, but... Um, about a hundred years ago, they put all these parts in a box. They shook it up. They shook that box up. And then for Christmas, I opened that box and it was a watch. It's amazing. Just remarkable. That's, that's what we're saying with evolution, really. Right? Or, or to say that, like I already referred to, say that, you know, God, in the beginning, God created us in His own image. Male and female, He created us. Now listen, what you do with your body, that's between you and God. That, that's, your choice. God has set a plan for you that's good and healthy. If you choose to violate that, that's your decision. But to say that God didn't create male and female, that God didn't know what he was doing, that God's confused, that no, there, there's not two genders. There's quite a few actually. And, and some of them can be both at the same time or any, that's calling God a liar. Do you, do you see what happens? And when we kind of buy into those prevailing truth, those prevailing statements, we're, we're distracted from the truth of the gospel. Oh my goodness. 
I just looked at the time. We're just getting going here. I'm all excited. Um, we'll keep moving here. If I'm distracted from the gospel, I'm at risk of losing my own way, and I'm certainly not going to make the gospel known to the people around you. And, and the, Paul says these guys made a good, solid start. They, they would have experienced what, what Peter said we should do in, in Acts chapter 2, two at, at Pentecost. Peter preaches and the people respond, what should we do? And Peter says, each of you should repent of your sins and be baptized and in the name of Jesus Christ. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and everyone else who is to come after you. That includes all the Gentiles, includes you and me today. And so the Holy Spirit is God's gift to all who believe and all who are baptized. And the Holy Spirit is the presence, the resident presence of Jesus in the life of the believer. Galatians chapter 3, now look at verse 2. He says this, let me ask you one question. Let's put this one on screen. Verse 2, let's read it together. Ready? Go. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit as our comforter, as our guide, the one who would guide us into truth, right? The one who would, who would give us what to say when we're persecuted or on trial, who would, who would convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. But as Paul says, you don't receive the Holy Spirit by trying harder, by checking the religious boxes. The Holy Spirit is God's gift given to you by your faith in Jesus. And the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is not something optional for like the more charismatic side of the church, right? The more expressive people. We live by the Spirit, directed by the Holy Spirit, corrected by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who's given you gifts. Maybe it's administration. Maybe it's mercy. Maybe it's the gift of service. Maybe it's the gift of tongues or prophecy or the working of miracles. None of those received by law, but only received by faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says this in verses 3 and 4. After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? So if my first question is, what's your gospel distraction? My second question is this. Has the gospel made any difference? Has the gospel made any difference in your life? The the work of the Holy Spirit is an internal work. But the evidence is an external evidence, right? There's If there's no difference in my life, I need to ask why. Has the gospel made a difference? Went on vacation because we don't have... Uh, cable at our house we tend to binge watch hgtv all these home improvement shows and uh it's just so fun there used to be one called curb appeal i don't think it's on anymore is it still on and that one was fun because they just picked up the outside so they could sell the house didn't do anything on the inside really the most of the shows are about fixing up the inside like love it or list it watch that way too many times this week and uh list it list it right i mean anyway and um Here's the question. Would you rather live in a house that's been renovated on the inside or renovated on the outside? Inside, right? I mean, you see the outside, but you, you're inside every day. It's where you make your meals and, and sleep in your bed. And I've noticed, certainly in these shows, that the shows that kind of focus on the interior renovations, 
Something usually spills to the outside. They say, hey, we had a little extra surprise for you. You know, we painted your house or we, we changed out this door. We, we made this little improvement for you. But the ones that are on the outside never spill in. And I've noticed that even with, with homeowners around here, people who are kind of fixing up their yard, A, often never really get it finished. And it never moves to the inside. But people who fix up the insides of their house usually can't handle stopping there and they usually fix up the outside too. Right? What's my point? I didn't come here to talk about home improvement shows. Religion focuses on the external. Right? Like moral improvement, moral correction. But it doesn't change the heart, what's on the inside. The Holy Spirit's work is internal. The work of grace is an internal renovation that changes the outside as well. And... It does take time. Renovations take time. I know they do it in 30 minutes on TV, but I promise you it takes a lot longer than that. So let me ask again, has the gospel made a difference in your life? If not, it could be that you're letting religion set the agenda, doing just enough to get by, to look good, without any heart change. And I'll remind you again, you were saved by God's grace through faith, So don't abandon that now with a coat of, you know, exterior religious paint. When God can do the work, his work, not yours, of a total internal restoration and his work will spill to the outside. Which takes us to verse five. And this is an insight into the normal Christian life. Let's read this one again together on screen. Paul says this, I ask you again, Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. For sure, the most challenging question for me is this. Are you living a gospel life by the Spirit? Are you living a gospel life by the Spirit? Sometimes we see nothing happening. You say, well, the gospel doesn't work. But... But that's not true. It does work. And so I have to ask myself, why don't I see more of what the Bible points to as normal for the Christian life? And for Paul, it just keeps coming back to this problem of replacing grace with personal effort. We might even say, well, I'm saved. That's good enough, right? I'll just go on living the way I always did. I mean, that's fine because I'm saved. I can just, you know, cash it in on the end and I'm done. But... But that won't satisfy your life. So I've got one little test to perform. And it's this. I want you to to complete this statement. I'm acceptable to God because. All right. Complete the statement. You don't have to say it out loud. Just to yourself. Um, I'm acceptable to God because. Do we have a slide for that one? I think we do. I'm acceptable to God because. If you fill that in with anything other than because I believe in Jesus. If there's any other completion to that sense, anything in addition or anything subtracted from because I trust in Jesus. Then you're falling from grace into law. Right? From true righteousness to self-righteousness. From faith to works. Yeah, Brian, but what about living a holy life? Aren't we supposed to like, yes, Yes, as God does that work in your life, you're not going to want to be cheap with grace. 
you're going to want to recognize Jesus suffered so greatly for me. I want to live my life in response to that. I want to live the way God says to live. I'm going to follow what God says to follow, but that's not what saves me. I'm acceptable to God because I trust in Jesus. And maybe you're thinking, I, I don't care. Like, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm happy with, with my life the way it is. That's, that's fine. That's, that's on you. It's only when I become convinced that I need saving that I'll thirst for salvation. I invite the worship team to, to prepare to lead us in a closing song. I need to be convinced that I need saving and then I've got to be convinced that the suffering of Jesus was sufficient, that it was enough, that it was a complete work to save me and live a life, a gospel life in the spirit. Every few years, a study will come out that says Christians are virtually indistinguishable from, from unbelievers. And they'll say that, you know, we have the same number of divorces and that we're just as addicted to gambling or alcohol or pornography or that we're just as medicated for anxiety and depression, all those things that we're just as fearful of, of what's going on in the world. Those, listen, I would, I, I don't know about the metrics of those studies, but, but I, I think there's a, there's something to them. And I think it happens because we let ourselves get distracted away from the core gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so I believe we struggle in so many areas because we don't yet believe that Jesus is all I need. Jesus is all you need. The comforts you enjoy, you actually don't need that. You enjoy good health. Some of you are learning that life's bigger than your health. Your finances are a mess. Some of you are learning that life's bigger than that. Well, what you need is Jesus. Not Jesus plus whatever, not Jesus minus discipleship or something. It's Jesus. I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't take your insulin. I'm not saying flush your pills. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what you need is Jesus. Are you living a gospel life in the spirit? Is the gospel making a difference? Are you willing to turn your back on distractions? We're just going to sing this song, Make Room. And the bridge includes this simple confession. Three words. It's four words. It's my favorite part of the song. Your way is better. And I don't mind singing that over and over. Your way is better. Your way is better. Because I need to drive it into my head, Jesus. Your way is actually better than my way, than my ideas, than my plans, than my religion. Jesus, your way is better. If you believe it, sing it. If you're not sure, ask Jesus to make it plain to you. But we want to make room for him right now. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.